Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is volume 81 and a special show this week with 2005 NFL MVP Sean Alexander, who, of course, was a first-team All-American, first-team All-SEC superstar at the University of Alabama in the late 90s, went on to Seattle, won the Most Valuable Player of the League award, and now he's doing great things, great mentorship of some college players now, and he'll tell you about some other things he has going on. I've been, I've known Sean now for some time. Uh, of course, I've been around the University of Alabama program a lot. I've been at Clemson a lot. I've been at Ohio State and Michigan a lot. As a result of that, I'm around some of the best players in the country every single year. And Sean uh, does a great job of mentoring some of those young men. So I've seen him at games and I've seen him at spring games and really enjoy his perspective. He has great perspective on how I would like to have my life stacked, my priority scale laid out. Sean has just such a great idea and a great vision, and he lives that. Before we get to my conversation with Sean, I want to remind you guys hiring can be challenging, but there's one place you can go where it's not challenging and, in fact, is simple. Fast and smart, and growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Just ask Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner. She experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best candidates. Then she found the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly shocked at how quickly she found qualified applicants. She hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter. It's the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R-T-Y. All right, man. It's so cool for me to welcome Sean Alexander to the Marty Smith's America podcast. We're talking SEC royalty. We're talking Roll Tide legend. NFL MVP, I mean, look, man, I could give you your whole resume, but I don't want to blow your head up too much, all right? <laughs> Come on, family, that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> that is what we do. So we're going to start with, uh, as I said earlier, I'll be at the SEC championship game, LSU and Georgia, this coming weekend in Atlanta, and you'll be there too. What's your role there, Sean? Oh, yeah. So I am actually the ambassador and host to the uh, Johnsonville Tailgate Throwdown. And so we uh, we actually sent out invitations for everybody in every SEC school to send out their best uh, tailgate uh, Johnsonville recipe. And you guys know I'm a kicker for some uh, sausage dips. So, so uh, you know, so that's what I was. Uh, and we got actually two great ones, one from Sherry from LSU and Another one from Christian, who's a Missouri guy, and um, and so yeah, we're going to be out there before the game. Uh, I think it starts at ten thirty. Anybody that wants to come out and and eat some Johnsonville sausage with us, they can come and hang. We're going to have a good time, and and with all the free free 
free food. You know, there's nothing better than free Johnsonville <laughs> sausage. So, so we're going to be out there kicking and having fun before the game. And, uh, you know, and that's just it's just a part of good college football tailgating. So it's going to be fun. I have seen you at several games and events in the past couple of years in a role where you champion great football players. These young men who are contributing so much, not just on the field, but off it. What's it mean to you to have the opportunity as someone who achieved so much on the field, off the field, to be able to to champion that in, in the, for the young men today? You know, I think it's an honor. I think that, um, you know, I remember my freshman year um, in the hotel getting ready for a game, and I get a call from Johnny Musso and Bobby Humphrey just saying, hey, welcome to the family. We expect great things out of you. And then I got to watch their life and hear about their goods and their bads, their triumphs and their mistakes, and said, and they all said the same thing, learn from us. And so here I am, you know, retired, and, yeah, I've got tons of great accolades from high school, college, and pro, you know. And there's still this, Sean, you can go back and just tell one little story to one of these young men, and it could help them catapult to to being an All-American or being the MVP or being the – the ESPN number one, you know, so uh, whatever it is, like we create those opportunities to, to give back. And I just don't think that um, I was given or awarded to all these great things not to. And it's, it's cool because just like awards, I could share some of the Rolodex of some of the great players from that. I, that I have a wonderful opportunity to kind of share life with and give stories to some of the Bama greats that are, that are playing in the pros now to, to some of the guys that are just playing great uh, from other teams. And it's uh, it's really sweet to see um, the, see you be able to challenge or encourage them to be what the Lord's really created them to be, which is something that was gifted and special and an influencer to, to, to everybody in the football world. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, who are one of those one or two guys that, that you feel like <laughs> – who, who are one of, a couple of those guys that you feel like you've influenced that way? If if you do have names, if if you don't, well, you don't. I, but I would, say, I would say it's very easy to go through the Bama names. You know, Derrick Henry. You know, that's like my nephew, Josh Jacobs. So you know, I still have great mm-hmm. relationships with those boys. And you know, and then there's some of the guys that folks don't know, and I'm I'm just walking them through how to be how to be a pro today, and what that looks like, and what what's it look like when you give everything you got on the field and you're worn out, and your team just lost, and you feel like you're balling. And I get to tell the stories, hey, when I got to Seattle, they had three winning seasons in 25 years. <laughs> you know, when I leave, they're like, yeah, we all, 12 fans for everywhere. And I'm like, yes, yeah. so they're like, it's going to turn, but you just got to be willing to just press through. And, and there's this exhaustion stage that you have and putting football in the right place in your heart and in your mind, but putting also your life and, and what does – what does success really mean? Putting that in the right place. So, so all those things are just key, and um, and I think that uh, there's just something very powerful about um, having correct mentorship and even correct discipleship in people's lives. And whether you're the receiver or the giver, like it is really like the best life you could ever have. How would you describe where the right place to put football in your life's priority scale is? Well, I mean, if you could see my hands, you would see what I was taught in high school. They'd hold up the number number one and say, uh, football is number two, and education is number one, and they would have two fingers up for that part. So, <laughs> um, but, um, 
You know, I, I just think that <laughs> I would take football as just like anything else that you do. Um, it would be impossible for me to lie to anybody. And if you're around me for 30 seconds, you're going to know, like, that my life with Jesus is the most important thing I have. And it's the thing mm-hmm. I hold on to because it never lets me down. So so I keep that first because I think it's the only thing that actually produces real peace and real joy. Now, after that, everybody has these giftings and callings. And I want you to go rev that up in honor of, for me, Jesus, in honor of my parents, in honor of all the great people have been around me from, from trainers to coaches to agents to and, you know, you got all these people that are circling around you to let you go take your gift and go be the best. The worst thing you could do is have a regret with that, which is I didn't give everything I got. I didn't train as hard as I could. I didn't I didn't prep as hard as I could. And whether that's for me in sports or for a person being a business person, the worst thing you could ever do is not put it all out there so that you can produce greatness or be as high or, or as great as you could possibly be. And so – that is about where I tell the guys to go put football. Go go, go empty the cup. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, empty that thing out. But it is still not who you are. It's still a sport. It's a job. But it's not who you are, but it's, it's the assignment. And so go do the assignment with everything you got and leave the field exhausted. And so I was one of those people that I really enjoyed cranking up. And because I smile a lot, because I laugh and I have a good time, and because also football is not my idol, people would actually misunderstand how dominant I wanted to be every time I touched the field. And it was because it's like right up there. People are going to get the best I got. And and I don't care if the team's tapped out. People are like, man, did you ever feel bad when you're beating the team to death? Nope. If you tap out, that's your problem. <laughs> you know, and so – so I wanted to score every touchdown, every field. Every time we got inside the red zone, I look at the coach like, don't throw the ball, you know, run the ball. Even when they talk about two back sets of today, I'm like, yeah, I would have had a problem. I want to be on the field making the play, and that's how it was. I wanted to empty the cup, you know. And so there was no such thing as me leaving the field and 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 uh, thinking I could go do something. I was usually worn out afterwards. And, uh, and I, I think that that's where – I try to challenge people in every part of their life. Whatever it is that you're doing, go be that guy. Go be that girl. It is very difficult for driven, especially dudes, I feel like, to not let our profession become our identity. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you're talking about is to set your priority scale in a way that whether it's Christian, father, husband, whatever that is for you, let let what matters be your identity. But I even fall victim to it sometimes. The last thing that I want is for ESPN guy to be my identity. Don't want that. I want yeah. great husband, great father, great friend, God-fearing. That's what I want my identity to be. It's not always easy for me. What's that challenge for, for, for men? Yeah, I think that that's, that's real talk, and I think that this is why it's good to be around other brothers, you know what I mean? Um, whether it's a bunch of fathers getting around and saying, like, man, like, what do I do with my son that's clearly not listening to anything I've ever given them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I think it's good to just talk that out because even that, like, we'll, we'll create, um, we'll create the championship ring as the mark of me being successful when, like, let's be honest, I've been around some cats that won the Super Bowl that they can't play like Sean Alexander. You know what I mean? As humbly mm-hmm. as I can say that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but mm-hmm. they won. And so if that's the mark, I'm like, okay, well, I really want to be that guy that 
that, that can't ball and win, or would I want to be the guy that could make things happen and know that we fell short in the Super Bowl? I'm like, man, I, I've got to be comfortable with just who I am and whatever that gives is what it is. But at the same time, it's really good to be around some people, um, no matter what the topic is, from going back from high school all the way up to the pros, that would challenge you. You know what I mean? To be like, yo, like, Sean, you got more juice, and you're leaving it out there. And I'm like, crap, you know, if you're right, you know? And so whether it's being a husband or a father or a businessman or the ESPN guy, you know what I mean? You want to leave it all out there, and you want to have some people around you that says that's not who you are, but being excellent and what you're doing is who you are. And so, like, let's go be excellent in whatever the outcome is, let that be the outcome. And it can instill joy in people, whether, you you know, if if you have obvious passion. I always say, Sean, we can control three things every day in a world with so many uncontrollables. We can control kindness, we can control effort, and we can control passion. If we are kind to other people and we give it every last ounce of everything we got and we do it with an impenetrable, undeniable passion, we cannot lose. Marty, you trying to be a coach. Um, you better get off that ESPN. You, are you coming at the table? What, what's going on? You next one. <laughs> no, man. I've just been doing. I've been doing a lot of book speeches this fall, bro. I'm I'm dialed in on that action. You were mentioning your parents earlier and their influence on you. I know you came up blue collar. How did seeing your parents grind impact your approach? Uh, so yeah, so my you know it's really funny when you when you talk about family. It's it's really weird there's always this image that people want to leave for people to make it seem like it's better than what it is, or it's not as bad as it is, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so like my parents, my parents, it, our, our family was, was rocky. My parents were divorced when I was in sixth grade. And, um, and so my mom was just a really solid individual, loved the Lord. She was one of the praying big mamas that was in the neighborhood. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I just really, I really trusted her word. And she would say stuff like, you know what, I can't really teach you how to be a man, but, but I can point you into the direction of some really good men. And, um, and, and her younger sister, my mom had six sisters and one brother. And some of the younger sisters, my aunties, um, they married like solid dudes, you know what I mean? One was a fire captain, one was a businessman, you know? Um, and so, so it was just really cool to, to see that and know like, yeah, I can smile, but still be like a, a wall. You know what I mean? It's almost like a gentle wall. And and and, and one of them used to say, like Sean, you're not going to be the nice guy because nice guys they do finish last, you know, right? Because they'll they'll give when they're not supposed to give, um, or they'll give in when they're not supposed to give in. He said, but you're going to be a good guy. And I said, okay, what's that? He said, the good guy wins the game, gets the girl. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah I like that. Cuts, cuts off Goliath's head. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's see, let's get that. <laughs> and they and they they let me understand like there's a little standard and there's a little fire to that, but it's okay. Um, but what you're not going to do is be really passive and be so so gentle that people can just run you over. And uh, and so. By having just, once again, just some great older men around me, um, it was really cool because I got to see um, I got to see them succeed and I got to see them get knocked down, but also got to see them get up. And that's really what I try to do with everybody that's around me, whether it's my own uh, little community out here or whether it's, uh, whether it's when I'm traveling. I, I like people to really know, like, I love people and it's good to love, you know what I mean? And, 
And it's also very good to be vulnerable and transparent because you're the only you on the planet. Only you can tell your story. And uh, and when you do, it'll touch somebody's life. It'll touch somebody's heart. And, and hopefully it gives them an opportunity to go be great at who being themselves. And uh, and that's what I learned. And so I, I, my, my time from going from being in, in Florence, Kentucky, uh, and being a Boone County Rebel to, to going to Alabama, it was just great growth to growth. And, and gosh, you know, even me saying that, I think of so many family members coming from Kentucky down to Alabama and and, and tailgating and eating Johnsonville sausage and, and, and us <laughs> laughing hard and, and having good times and, and, and le- realizing that everybody has an opportunity to, to be the greatest them that they can be. And that's who exactly who God made them to be. And we're all cool with that. It was, it, it was a great time. And that's what I'm, so I'm encouraging and challenging all my guys to do now. When I was a kid, and you and I are, are almost exactly the same age, Faces in the Crowd in Sports Illustrated was like must read for me every week because there wasn't no internet, yeah. bro. All right, growing up, yeah. we didn't have no internet. I learned in, in that Boone County's Sean Alexander is in Faces in the Crowd. How does Boone County react? When Boone County's own Sean Alexander is in Sports Illustrated, uh, Boone County went nuts. For being in the face of the crowd, my junior year, it was a game I, I scored like seven touchdowns, and we beat the school eighty-one to, to like seven, and and well, folks don't remember it was seven to seven at the end of the first two drives, <laughs> and then, uh, something just happened. <laughs> And uh, it was seven to seven, and I didn't score the seven for us. Like it was our fullback trap, and uh, they had the fullback scores, and and uh, and uh, we just turned turned the ground around. Um, it went nuts, and I I, I remember um, literally just going home and being like, man, like we're having like eight to ten thousand people come to our little town that might have only had eight to ten thousand mm-hmm. people in it um, at the games. And I remember, and still today, people come to me like, oh, yeah, I drove and I stopped and watched your high school football game because it's right off the highway going uh, 71, going to uh, Cincinnati. And so, you know, it's 10 minutes away. So, like, people would stop and truckers would say, oh, yeah, we, we took that route so we could stop. We parked their trucks on the highway. And you'd see, like, 10 trucks stop there, and people would be sitting on top of trucks watching the high school games. And and it was nuts. And and part of the reason why we moved to D.C. was uh, when I, I played, like, my last six games with the Redskins, and we were just in a grocery store, and no one recognized me. And it was just funny, like, walking through a grocery store and picking out stuff, just me and my wife. And she said, when's the last time you've been in a place for for this long? We were there, like, for, like, 30 minutes, cracking jokes, looking for stuff, not even knowing what we were looking for. And no one know you. And I said, honestly it was about 16. Like when that face of the crowd started, you know, and obviously the next year, this, this sports station I never heard of because we didn't even have cable called ESPN wanted to follow us around mm-hmm. for a week of football. <laughs> so and then I, then I was the old spice athlete of the month for sports illustrated my senior year. And so there goes 17. And so, you know, so from that point on, then going to Bama and, you know, Bama doesn't have any people that would follow you around the, around a grocery store. So, you know, so it just <laughs> went on from there to there to Seattle. And, you know, us not being that, that, that squad to, you know, me having five touchdowns in the first half against the Vikings. Shout out to the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then next thing you know, 
I can't go anywhere in Seattle. And uh, and so then we're winning and five division championships and playoffs and Super Bowl. And and um, and so, you know, so us even coming out to D.C. and, like, walking around a grocery store, like, we were like, oh, like, this is what normal feels like. She's like, when was the last time you had this? Oh, 16 years ago, you know. And so, so um, but, but Boone, Boone County went went nuts, and and my friends, um, they uh, I just don't tell too many people the stories, but like they uh, they'll read something, and someone come over to the house, and they'll be like, hey, do you really have a street named after you? And I'm like, yeah, at least high school. And they're like, oh, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. <laughs> I just uh, I just told somebody the, the coolest thing was. Um, you know, you get like uh, jerseys retired and this and that, and um, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, when did you get your high school jersey retired?" I got it retired like my senior year of high school. Like I'm still there at the school, <laughs> you know. So, so like my my brother always says, "Oh yeah, it's 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 nuts." Like yeah, like you know, my brother was a was the one year older me, so he was at the University of Notre Dame and. Him and all his Notre Dame buddies came back in town. They were trying to sway me to come to to Notre Dame with them, but. But yeah, like so, just the the accolades and fun things I got to just be a part of was just nuts, and and uh, and you know, so it just it just started off from that that little small town in Florence, Kentucky. Why did you choose Alabama? You know, gosh, you know, really, the simple part of it is, is I thought I was going to Michigan. Um, I was a big Michigan fan, you know, having three older half brothers and my older brother, the one that's one year older, be the fourth. I'm the fifth boy of the Alexander boys and uh, Durant with the Notre Dame. Uh, some of the boys were Ohio, Ohio State fans. I wanted to be like the typical little brother, just really annoy everybody. You know what I mean? And so I told Desmond Howard all the time. I was like, yeah, I almost signed with at Michigan at eight, at eight years, at eight grade, eighth grade because of that, that Heisman pose at the end of beating Ohio State. And I was rubbing it in everybody's face. And so just a huge Michigan fan um, all the way through. But by the time we got to my senior year, we're driving up to um, the senior. Uh, I mean the uh, um, the um, uh, what's it called? Just the uh, um, just to go visit uh, visit Michigan for a recruiting trip. Uh, it was just three feet of snow, and I'd never seen that much snow before. <laughs> I was just like, I can't do this. Like, like there's no way in the world I could see my family driving through a blizzard to go watch the Michigan Ohio State game and. I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to do that. And then the next week, you know, I'm down there in Tuscaloosa, and it's, you know, people are wearing shorts and, you know, wearing Letterman jackets. And uh, in the night, the shorts in the day, I was like, yeah, let's go do this. And I just wanted to go to a school that was already great. I wanted to go to a school that there was no doubt that there were legendaries there. There was iconic games and stories, and I just wanted to come and put a big splash in something that was already there. That was, like, my goal, like – I'm like, some people like to go build their own programs. I'm like, yeah, that's not me. If they'd asked me, would you want to go to the Seahawks or go to, like, the Niners, I'd have been like, yo, the Niners I already know their story, and I'm going to go try to be the best player that the Niners would ever have or the Cowboys or something like that. Um, that's how I felt with, with, college, with college. I didn't want to go to Kentucky and try to build their program up. I wanted to go to a school that was already known to be great and then go see if I could be the greats, the greatest of where the greats were. And that was like a simple goal of mine. And so, so between, you know, the weather, uh, winning, you know, uh, that was, those are just big, big pieces of Alabama and they just fit, you know, and, 
And I tell people in the south, I say, y'all was probably praying that that week before because it snowed. It snowed. It snowed enough to scare me to not want to go to Michigan. And uh, and it's really funny because still to this day, my high school American team, uh, uh, Mr. Ohio was Charles Woodson, and Mr. West Virginia was uh, was Randy Moss. And so we're still good friends. And we go places and we get to just talk and be like, man, if it would have been today, we'd have all been on the cell phone together talking because there was no cell phone, <laughs> you know, at least not for no little, no, no poor kids in, in uh, apartment, living in apartment complexes. You know, we didn't have no cell phones. That was not happening. And so, uh, so like we always laugh because like, um, I thought, I thought that Charles was going to go to Michigan, and he did. I thought Randy was going to go to either Notre Dame or Michigan, and he went to Notre Dame. But you never know with today's time. Like, if we'd all been like, hey, y'all, let's all go do Alabama, because literally after the snow, I went down there, and then I didn't go to um, as many games, you know. So I was like, oh, yeah, hey, this is the spot. Well, I'd have been on the phone and been like, y'all, take a visit. Like, (laughs) you know, like, this place is awesome, you know. So, so, yeah, so you just never know. But that's – that's the change of recruiting from, from you know, 20, 25 years ago to today, you know. All right, man, before we get you out of here, I know you got to hop. Uh, I got a couple more things, and I'll let you go. Uh, as a guy who had such a tremendous career at Alabama and, and knows so well what Alabama was, not only the history, but what it was immediately before Nick Saban's arrival, how do you define – his influence on Alabama and Alabama football during his tenure? It's been uh, so sweet. I mean, you know, Nick Saban comes in, and it's literally my last year um, playing in the pros. And so uh, I I remember coming down to a game, and it was the Georgia blackout game. And it's exciting, and Coach Saban just says, hey, come in. I want you to be a part of this program and just welcome me in with open arms. And actually, it's really funny. If you actually go watch the footage, I actually make a comment. I do an interview at, at the end of the game, like the last like five minutes of the game. And I said, we're about to go on a Bear Bryant-type run. Y'all get ready for it. You know, so I prophesied, you know what I mean? And so, so it's sweet. But he, he, he's allowed me to come in and be big brother, be Uncle Sean to, to so many guys on the team. And uh, and um, it's been really sweet. And the fact that he's done that with so many of the guys, just bringing everybody back. And Alabama already does that well, but he took it to a greater level than I've ever seen where guys want to be back, everybody works hard, everybody's got a role in the organization, and everybody buys in. And it's uh, it's just sweet. It's, it's sweet when you can go 10 and 2, and you feel like it's the worst thing ever. You know what I mean? And that's where we are right now. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this is so terrible. Um, but not nah, but like he he's taking it to a place that, you know, there's no dollar amount that we would not pay uh, for the last decade of him being our coach. Before I get you out of here, I want to discuss the MVP season 2005 with the Seattle Seahawks. What stands out most from that great year you had? Yeah, that 05 season was, was special. I think that um, – uh, two things come through my mind, especially this year. One is that I did not play in nine quarters. In seven fourth quarters, I did not play. In three, in, in two uh, third quarters, I didn't play in. And I just think that I was, like, on the verge of having, uh, well, if I'd have played those nine quarters, I would have had the greatest rushing season ever, you know, because it was already 1880 mm-hmm. and 28 touchdowns. So, so that would have been there. But 
watching Tua get hurt this year, I I understood a little bit better for the first time because that's the year we go to Super Bowl and and um you know and I don't know if we would go I don't know if we'd have went without my my uh, our, our running game and uh and so I just felt like oh man like I get that so there's there's this great love that I have for Coach Holmgren who who wanted he kept he kept he, he communicated just well that Sean we're going to go to Super Bowl with this team we're going to go. And I just never even thought about it until after it was all done. You know what I mean? Now it's ten years later. I'm like, oh dang, I could have, you know, I could have had the greatest <laughs> season ever. But uh, but in the midst of it, like he just did such a great job reminding us that we're we're going to the Super Bowl this year, and um, and just the games, like you know, there was games where I feel like I was just floating, uh, floating in the air, and winning when we won the NFC Championship and posting up that trophy, knowing we're going to go play in the Super Bowl and running around the stadium because we played at home, which was kind of like the ultimate the ultimate goal from, like, you know, we didn't sell out games in the in CenturyLink field. Our first two games, we didn't sell out. So I remember looking at the crowd and knowing everybody screaming and hollering and they're shouting, Super Bowl was our first ever Super Bowl appearance. They're screaming MVP and and I won the, I think I broke the touchdown record, I think, that year. And so it was just so exciting to be in that moment, um, that year. Um, so that NFC Championship game was just really special. I appreciate you, brother. Always. Thank you so much. Your, your, your example, your insight, your friendship. And I can't wait to see you in Atlanta, my man. Yep, I'll see you in Atlanta. Roll tide. I was cracking up how Sean said, man, we didn't even have cable. I never heard of ESPN before. And, and what it's like when you become that small town star. It, I love, I love the stories about truckers parking it on the highway just to get a glimpse of him. That is Friday night lights at its best. That is small town boy who's captivated an entire region and in some cases an entire country. I mean, I think about Allen Iverson when I was a kid, man. I lived across the state from Allen Iverson when I was a kid. He was in Tidewater at Bethel High School. I was all the way over in Appalachia at Giles High School. We're the same age, me and Bubba Chuck, the exact same age. And the stories that were folk tales coming out of there, because you couldn't, you couldn't consume it like you can now. There was no internet. There were no phones, as you heard Sean saying. It's amazing what players might have ended up playing together in college if there would have been phones and they were hitting each other up. Hey, man, I went to Alabama. It's awesome. Y'all need to come down here and look. I'm praying. I'm so happy there wasn't cell phones because him, Charles Woodson, and Randy Moss, I'm glad that that never happened, especially if they would have went to a certain school up north. That's only a bunch of guys that were, I mean, you know, all Americans and two of them sat together at the Heisman ceremony in 1997. It was right. Wasn't Woodson the 97 Heisman winner? Yeah, it was, uh, him and, uh, Randy Peyton. and Peyton and then, uh, Ryan Leaf. Yeah. And Ryan Leaf. Whew. Uh, that's quite a squad. Thank you, Snow. But, but it's just so funny because we always heard about Allen Iverson all the way across the state. We all heard about, man, there's this dude out there. In Tidewater, we knew about him as a ball, as a, as a basketball player, but we always heard, man, you should see this dude at quarterback. They can't even get a finger on him. And now that there's YouTube and the internet, if y'all have not watched Allen Iverson high school football quarterback, get on the YouTube now and watch it because it is amazing, amazing to watch that cat. 
returning kicks and punts and just housing it. I mean, it's house call after house call with this dude. He was just a just an unbelievably, like the will. The thing I love about AI, I didn't know I was going to get off on this AI tangent, but man, one thing you know unequivocally that is gospel is that that man gave you everything he had every single night. He played as hard as anybody I ever seen. That 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 was his kind of his calling card. Mm-hmm. Is you might be bigger, faster, stronger than him, but he was just going to keep coming at you and not back down. Like they always talk about, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. And he was the definition of that saying. He is a dog. I mean, they call him, you know they call him Bubba Chuck. He is a dog. Six foot one, 160, 165 pounds, and would go hang forty five on you rolling out of bed in the morning. One of the coolest things I've had the opportunity to do was a couple of years ago when Ice Cube founded the Big Three League. I went up to New York City. I went up to Brooklyn. And I hung out for a morning with Cube, Allen Iverson, and White Chocolate, Jason Williams. And just chatting about the Big Three and whatnot and messing around with those guys. And I had the audacity to say to Allen Iverson, man, I can you, you can't cross me up. Can't do it. <laughs> that dude broke my legs. Forget my ankles, man. He he broke both of my femurs. He shook me so hard out of my shoes. It was fun. Speaking of Randy and now white chocolate, those two together. Oh. Well, it's the single greatest commercial in the history of sports marketing. The Nike commercial based in Rand, West Virginia, DuPont High School, where those two went to high school together. And it's the good old boys. It's They play the Waylon Jennings, Dukes of Hazard theme. If you have not seen that, again, I implore you, get on the YouTube and search that. Randy Moss, Jason Williams, good old boys. Nike, search it. Because it's my favorite, it's probably my favorite commercial ever. And that's saying something because Michael Jordan's not in it. Um, those two cats, man. I mean, you're talking about going down the floor and white chocolate bouncing the ball between his legs and Randy catching it and double pump yoking on some guy. Randy was, is, Randy can probably still dunk on people, but he's worried about ripping lips these days. Randy's a fishing fool. And now he's got a, his, his son now is balling at LSU. He sure is, like, man. Wow. Speaking of that, speaking of that, I was down there last weekend. My last week was crazy, man. I was in Alabama early in the week. Came home, had Marty McGee on Wednesday. Thanksgiving was Thursday. We had a bunch of family in town. Friday morning, I flew to Baton Rouge. Was in Baton Rouge Friday, Saturday, Columbus Sunday, Dallas Monday, and now I'm talking to Travis on Tuesday. Um, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind. I got a piece coming out this weekend that's one of my favorite I've ever done. I can't wait for y'all to see it. Um, and we'll get into that. Speaking uh, of maybe- speaking of Thanksgiving, what is What's Marty's like plate look like on Thanksgiving? Yeah, it's pretty boring because I'm such a nutrition nerd. Guy in the gym asked me today, today before we came on to, to talk to Sean, guy in the gym pulled me aside and he said, Hey man, how do you stay so fit being on the road like you are? And I said, well, I'm super neurotic about what I ingest, what I'm putting into my body. I try very hard to get a 2020 every day. If I can get a 20-20 every day on the road, then 
then at least I've gotten that sweat and I've gotten that lift. What I, I, I don't even know if anybody else even calls it a 2020. That's what I call it. I try to get 20 minutes of intense cardio at, at like 165, 170 heart rate. And then I try to get 20 intense nonstop minutes of lifting where I don't stop. I, I just keep cycling that, that, that circuit. And if I can get that 40, then I feel like I've at least done a, at least a decent workout that day. And if I can do that, then I feel good mentally and emotionally. For me, it's every bit as important emotionally as it is physically because it's this awesome purge. I don't, I bring my phone because my phone has my music on it, but I leave my phone across the gym. I don't even, like if I'm at a hotel gym or I'm at a Planet Fitness or if I'm at Alabama or LSU or Clemson or one of these schools, they'll let me work out in the team facility. I leave my phone across the gym because I don't want to be looking at it the whole time. I want to make sure that I'm I'm completely focused on getting in and getting out. And uh that's how. And it's uh so anyway, I'm a little neurotic about all that stuff and my Thanksgiving is unique. I always try to drink red wine on Thanksgiving. Uh cuz I know I'm going to probably have a couple more than I should, right? So if I have red wine, I have this philosophy, Travis. Every single like half glass I drink, I have to have had an entire bottle or glass of water too. I don't know what it is about wine, but that has to happen. It's like it's like some subconscious thing I got going on. And so I do that and then I always have turkey. I have ham. I have a full sweet potato and a half with a little sprinkle of brown sugar on it. I have, uh, what else? Oh, I had a, Lainey makes this awesome salad that her mom, her mom makes for us on Christmas that's like to die for. It's spinach, uh, tomatoes. There's onions in it that I skip. Thank you very much. Um, and there's strawberries, fresh cut strawberries, and candied pecans. So, it's a, unbelievable salad and i put balsamic vinegar on that so that's usually what my thanksgiving plate looks like what's yours look like well this thanksgiving it was uh mashed potatoes because i was i could barely talk and couldn't like swallow water uh but usually i'm going with that like you put the green bean casserole on there macro macro i love macaroni and cheese potatoes some noodles if i can get meat and all ham turkey carbs on that plate trav Listen, it's Thanksgiving. Some, you know, I ain't hating. I'm that's just the saying, one time. Man. But yeah, I couldn't. I literally last week, I uh, there was no pot for two reasons. One, because you were all over God's creation, and two, I couldn't talk. Yeah, so I could we need to get eat. into that in a minute. You need to understand one thing, though. I have friends that when they go to dinner with me, they have told me this in latter years. I did not know this early on, but I have some friends who have told me in recent times that. Ordering in front of me makes them feel bad, and that's not fair. I've never judged anybody, ever. I don't care what you eat. Man, it ain't my body. I've never felt bad, but maybe that just says something about me. Well, Travis and I have been to some Mexican restaurants at the Masters, and what's on my plate at the Mexican restaurant and what's on his plate at the Mexican restaurant, not one and the same, ladies and gentlemen. I have, like, grilled shrimp tacos and Travis has like a chimichanga as big as his thigh. Hey, it was good. 
<laughs> we both have a beer as big as a keg too sitting right in front of us. But um, anyway, that's enough about nutrition. We needed to get into your uh, – you had the Black Plague, man. You better? Yeah, I'm great now. But like uh, on Monday, I went to the walk-in clinic and – uh, she took one look at my throat and was like, yeah, you, uh, can't be working and we need to get you on some medicine. And I, it was hurting to swallow water was how Man, bad that's it was. No, good. no. So I like, I, uh, I hate to break it. I was sober for the Ohio state game on Saturday. Cause that was the wow. first, it was the first day that I felt any sort of normalcy. What was that like? <laughs> uh, early on it was painful cause I was needing a drink. And then, uh, after that, uh, Ryan Day decided to put it on him and I felt great. How would you, uh, break down that game for us? I break it down. It was beautiful. It, um, I, I listening to Ryan Day afterwards, you could, I appreciated that you could feel that he felt pressure because he wanted to prove it to the people of Ohio that he knew what it meant to win this game. And, Man, he's got Don Brown's number right now. He went out there and just put it on him. And then Justin Fields, that play, crazy gets his knee hurt. Apparently, I was reading Ryan Day was talking about today. He went over to the sideline and said, "Put a brace on it. I'm good." Goes out there and throws that touchdown. Yeah, it was he, a dime. Dude. He's a Buckeye legend from now on. He sure is. I mean, that's the kind of thing that makes legends, and and that's kind of his Heisman moment. Um, that that's what they're going to play at the ceremony here coming up later in December and uh you know the Heisman's going to be interesting I uh I think Burrow I think Burrow's going to be most people's choice because the numbers he's put up are just completely asinine I mean it's unbelievable against SEC defenses that that he did this and what an amazing story speaking just, of I mean, what speaking what of Burrow story. you were there uh, when did you find out about the jersey that he was going to wear for senior night? And I want you to just talk about that because you know the equipment staff, so I have a feeling that you might have a little different perspective than the average person with this uh, the jersey for that sure. he wore. The thing about Joe Travis is he never asks for anything. He shows up in the facility wearing like a SpongeBob SquarePants hoodie and some shorts and some old tennis shoes, and he just wants to ball. He's Joe Football, all right? And – he approached the equipment staff early last week, and he said, hey, guys, I need I need your help. I, I, I need to ask a favor here. And so they were like, oh, he never asked for anything. What do you need? Of course, whatever you need, man. He said, I got this idea that I think I want to be introduced on senior night with Burrow with EAUX. And, of course, everybody went, hell yeah. And – to see the reception that, that he received from that, it was just this nod to everyone in Louisiana about how grateful he is the, for the way he's been embraced from the second he walked in the door. He embodied, from the second he walked in the door, he embodied the toughness and the grateful attitude for being immersed in their culture and they noticed it early and he did really well in his junior season really well uh, they won some games he showed that toughness time and again but to come back this year 
and put up these numbers and, and put that entire state on his shoulders and see guys like JT Barrett and Cardale Jones and Michael Thomas and all the guys from Ohio, all the guys he played with at, at Ohio State coming to Baton Rouge. JT Barrett came to Baton Rouge on the same day as the Ohio State Penn State game. And he sat in the stands and he tailgated with Joe's parents. And that tells you all you need to know, man. Those guys ain't got to come. They ain't got to come down there. But that's their guy. Joe Burrow is one of these people that knows exactly who he is. There ain't no faking. It's so self-confident in exactly the person that he is. And that's infectious. And they they feel that way about him in Ohio. And they feel that way about him in Louisiana. And I just thought it was a brilliant move by him. You talk about Justin Fields being a Buckeye legend. Joe Burrow's a Buckeye forever. But Joe Burrow is a legend in Louisiana. And in New York in a couple weeks, if he happens to be the guy that picks up that trophy, as we expect him to based on those numbers I discussed earlier, and becomes the second player ever in the history of LSU to win the Heisman Trophy, come on, man. Come on. I thought his tweet, his quote tweet to the video of him walking out was perfect. He said, a tribute to this great state and university, Death Valley, where opponents' dreams come to die, but where mine came true. But where mine came true, right. And I've seen a shift over even the past few weeks. I could sense his appreciation, but there was still this business-like attitude that he carries. Not, Not a real emotional person, but... When I was here this past week, I could sense a difference. I could sense a deeper gratitude. I feel like winning that game against Alabama, when he got off that airplane and got off that bus in Baton Rouge and saw that that ovation for him at the airport, I think that changed him. I think he found greater depth in his appreciation for them because of their appreciation for him. And... We're certainly seeing that now. I just, I couldn't be happy. I, there's certain young men I've covered that when they've had this overwhelming success, you just can't help but be so happy for them. Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Damian Harris, on and on. All these guys, Lamar Jackson, that you have the opportunity to cover as collegiate athletes, Baker Mayfield, and and you you get to know them a little bit, and you're just so happy that they're they're enjoying that moment. And I certainly feel that way about Burrow. I'm just hoping at this point that uh, Ohio State can avoid him at all costs, and if anything, it's in the national championship game. It's I mean, look at this point, it seems like that's what it would be because. If they both, if they both hold serve and finish their seasons undefeated, they're going to be one and two in the playoff. And so you would expect that they wouldn't face one another until the natty. Hoping that, uh, LSU gets stuck with Clemson too. That would, that would be nice if the committee could go ahead and make that happen for me too. Man, what a game. Dang, I can't wait. Because that's the other thing is Clemson is humming right now. They sure are. They're a really good team, man. And they've been a good team all year. They just, Look, they had to work out a few things 
they had to grow a lot of guys up on defense. It ain't easy they, coming back after a national championship. No, hell no, it ain't. And you can obviously see the chip on Dabo's shoulder with his commentary after the South Carolina win last weekend. I could do without uh, some of that, but I get it. He's the coach, and they that, are, it works. They are carrying a chip, man. All of them are. They feel forgotten, dude. They've won 28 games in a row. 27, right? They've won 27 games in a row. And they feel forgotten. So now, you know, they're going to go play Virginia in the, in the ACC championship game. Everybody expects them to beat the brakes off the Wahoos. And then they're going to go into the college football playoff and have their, have their time. They're going to have the opportunity. And, uh, I can't wait. Okay. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. Not us. Not Travis and not me. I'm 43 and I got enough hair to go around. Hell, I could donate some to y'all. Guess what? That's not the only good news. Sure, I can donate some. But with today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. So if your hair's falling out, if you're losing some, if you're getting that, uh, that dome's getting a little shinier, all you gotta do is holler at Keeps. Keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Not anymore. Thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get medication delivered to your home. No more waiting rooms. No more pharmacy checkout lines. Get doctor attention and discreet drug delivery all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Prevention's key. Keeps treatments really work. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. Sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. So act fast. Many men even experience hair regrowth with Keeps treatments. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you get your first month free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps.com slash Marty. You'll receive your first month of treatment for free. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash M-A-R-T-Y. Keeps.com slash Marty. Keep the hair you got. Grow some new hair. Shine up that dome. All right. Appreciate y'all hanging out today. Thanks so much to Sean Alexander. Great job, Travis, getting Sean for us. We're going to have to have another episode with him, too. I probably had 15, 20 questions I didn't even get to. Can't wait to talk to him again. Thank you to everybody that's keeping our community safe, certainly during the holiday season, our law enforcement officials, policemen, firemen, first responders. We appreciate everything y'all do for our communities. Thanks so much to our military members, especially during the holiday season. We're so grateful all year long. But while we're all surrounded by our families during these holiday seasons, a lot of those guys are are not with their families. Don't forget that. And we're so grateful for the sacrifice. Y'all have an awesome day, an awesome week. Thanks so much for listening to Marty Smith's America. We'll see y'all around, and we'll try to do better next time. It's championship week.